Hello and welcome to the Mangal Media Show in cooperation with Root Radio Live. I am Mangal Media Editor in Chief Efe Levant. To learn more about us and follow the articles discussed on the show, please visit our website www.mangalmedia.net. Mangal Media is supported entirely by reader donations. If you like our content and would like to see more of it, please check out our pledge options from our Patreon site. A monthly pledge of over $5 will give our readers digital access to our illustrated short fiction project, Guide to Every City. In today's episode, we will be joined by Anna Gvelisiani to talk about her article, A Family Matter, Charlie Hebdo and French Fantasies of Collective Trauma. Although Anna wrote the article over a year ago, the issue has gained new significance recently by the magazine's decision to republish the offending Mohammed cartoon from 2015. In today's discussion, we will examine whether the Je suis Charlie movement has lost steam. We will also question narratives which seek to defend racist humor by placing it within a specialized context of French satirical history. Hello, we are with Anna Gvelisiani to talk about her article, A Family Matter, Charlie Hebdo and French Fantasies of Collective Trauma. Welcome, Anna. Hello, welcome. Um, thanks for having me. Good to have you. Can you first uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in this subject? Um, yes, of course. Uh, well, um, uh, just a short thing about my background. So I studied literature and a little bit of history in uh, France and Germany. And um, I was really interested in um, the link between newspaper articles and journalism and um, politics and the construction of the construction of ideas and representations in uh, journalism. So I was working on that in for my master's degree already. And then um, for my thesis, I was looking for a subject that would go with that. And yeah, and then Charlie Hebdo happened. I was already working on something with uh, Europe and European identity and the question um, whether whether Europe what 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 Europe means in newspaper articles in in France and Germany. So when Charlie Hebdo happened, um, I was following the news, of course, and I was following the, the newspapers. And I thought, okay, I have to get into this because um, there was just so much to dig out of it and um, understand about about the representation that newspapers have uh, about Europe. So that was uh, the first step. And then I started to look into it a little bit more deeply and um, research um, where, where all the pictures and all the metaphors and all the arguments that we would find in French and German newspaper uh, would come from historically. So I tried to put them into the context of European history, uh, which led me to a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things about to, to learn about how Europeans perceive themselves. And yeah, that was the beginning. So how do Europeans perceive themselves? Well, they perceive themselves. I mean, you know, you know, the, all the important words they, they use to describe themselves like free and um, very keen on, on uh, human rights and everything. So that, that was, the, the big picture that every newspaper um, was writing about. I mean, I um, was looking at uh, 10 newspapers, like five from France and five, five from Germany uh, over the period of two years. So um, over, from January 2015 to January 2017. So when the attacks happened to the second anniversary of the attacks. And uh, yeah, I analyzed, I think, a bunch, a bunch of articles, around 700 articles, I think, and got a yeah, quite clear image of the European identity they are, they are trying to talk about, and which was really disturbing at the end because, we, um, because one could see that how they would still, still like, go back to the 18th century to define themselves. Um, 
and uh, there were images of um, identity and alter alterity and other and and othering and um, um, of people who were not supposed to be part of Europe and who were not supposed to be part of the European identity and um, I think this was really problematic so I got a little bit more into that um, and I think what disturbed me the most was that we that that the newspapers uh, wrote about mental maps like they created mental maps of who is in and who is out um, on different lines of conflict between, for example, Europe and Islam or Europe and um, the rest of the world and basically the global south. So um, that, that those, all those pictures were not really, they were just coming back over and over and they were not really criticized even if we do, on the larger scale, do have a lot of critics um, against those pictures. So as basically the, the, articles were, the articles were continuing to other um, Muslim people and continuing to other people from the global south without really going into a critique of this. Um, and on the other hand, really like mystifying um, Europe and mystifying Charlie Hebdo and um, what they were supposed to mean as a newspaper and what, what, the, what the pictures that they were printing were supposed to mean for this European identity. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like a listener who's listening to this right now might think, uh, so Europeans are identifying themselves as pro-human rights. What's wrong with that? I mean, is it inherently wrong that Europeans are identifying themselves with human rights, or is there another problem that's embedded in this? Well, the problem in, in the whole of this was that that was, of course, I mean, it has nothing to do with reality. We all know that. Plus, I was um, looking for the, like, the two central, central words that I was looking at in, in my research were freedom of speech and or freedom of the press and uh, censorship. So they were attributing freedom of the press to themselves. And they said, okay, we are Europeans, we do have freedom of speech and freedom of the press. And those others who attacked us, not part of that, and they don't have it and they hate it. And then they were, of course, trying to define who that other was. And um, I mean, human rights were just, was just the basis of that. But I mean, the arguments were going much, much further than this because they were saying, okay, who is the other one? If we have the human rights, so they don't have it. They don't have it. And they are the, they are the wilder, wildlings, let's say. So, I mean, we, yeah, we can really see that the context of that comes from, comes from like historically comes from a picture that mm, is very binary like we have this binary metaphor and the binary worldview mm -hmm. that they were still reproducing over and over again which dehumanizes of course everyone who is not part of for part of this republic or or this european idea because also what um the the french were doing was they were they were really trying to get, like, to find as the basis of their identity, uh, the Republic. So the Republic that um, is laic, so they, they have, uh, like, politics on the other hand and religion on the, on the other, I mean, um, politics on the one hand and religion on the other hand. And there is no, there is no between, there is no mix-up of those. So this was, like, the Republican idea. And everyone who was not agreeing to that was outside. And for them, human rights didn't apply. Or they were too stupid to understand that human rights would apply to them if they were not so stupid. I think one of the fundamental problems of this also is that it kind of, for people who are struggling for human rights outside of this Western context, it makes it difficult to struggle for human rights for us because 
it turns it into like an essential property of quote unquote Western civilization. When we try to go out and say that we need human rights for ourselves, then we are accused of being kind of infiltrators for a kind of Western takeover, which is, which couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, just because we are desiring human rights for ourselves over here does not mean that we want to be French people. I think beyond the kind of racism that it puts on everybody else for being incapable of grasping with the idea of human rights and freedom of expression, it actually hinders existing struggles for human rights that are happening in the parts of the world where it allegedly does not exist. Yeah, they, they were perpetrating the idea that human rights is genuinely Western and the rest of the world doesn't necessarily agree to them because they are not as developed, of course. I mean, they were saying, okay, the, those are uncivilized people. But then on the other hand, they had this problem because, I mean, if we're talking about those uncivilized people, I mean, the perpetrators of the attacks were French people. Clearly, there's, I mean, we, who are we talking about? If we speak about like the three, three uh, gunmen, who did the attacks, I mean, the two gunmen who did the attacks on Charlie Hebdo and then the one who did the attack on the Jewish supermarket the two days afterwards. I mean, they were all French born. I mean, they were, grew up in Paris. We, we can't really exclude them based on nationality, right? So yeah. when we exclude them, what are we looking at? We, and people were trying to, I mean, the newspapers, most of the newspapers were trying to really find a reason how to exclude them. And it, would, it was like the first step was to exclude them based on the idea that they would use violence to reach their goals. So violence was one, one like limit of being part of the Republic. But then it wasn't enough, of course. I mean, it was very very fast like one day after the attacks it was really um quickly and um used as an instrument to uh dehumanize every muslim living in in france and then they were pointing fingers at them and saying okay you have also to say you, you that you don't support violence and people were also they even they interviewed like imams and people on the streets and asking, okay, do you, do you condemn violence or not? And people like, um, excuse me, <laughs> you know, they, they couldn't really. It puts a spotlight on you for, for yeah. telling them what they want you to say. Yeah. And they were asked to condemn the violence and that was a huge insult, of course, mm. um, of, um, uh, like almost 9% of the, of the French population. And for example, what Charlie Hebdo did, that was a, a little anecdote, what they did, like, I think one year after the attacks, like for the anniversary of the, I mean, I don't know if you can say anniversary, but it was a one year in January, 2016, what Charlie Hebdo did, they published a huge article of like three pages where a reporter from Charlie Hebdo um, took a copy of the, of the, uh, took a copy of the, um, newspaper of the magazine and went into say um, a little bit more dynamic parts of town I mean and dynamic in that case meant of course where there are a lot of multicultural right and they were like okay we're gonna take the copy of the of the magazine and gonna go and see whether how the people are gonna react um, and they kind and of I were hope looking, they got their asses looked to be honest they, <laughs> well, you would hope so, but I mean, they were hoping so, you know, they, they were going like, they were explicitly going into bars and asking people like, does this provoke you? Does this want to, does this make you want to punch my face? And the people were like, okay, why, why, why me? You know, they got literally no reaction from the people. Nobody said anything. They were like, okay, I don't really care. Um, to be honest, I think that's a shame <laughs> yeah. between you and me and whoever's listening to this. I mean, I would have hoped for them to get their asses kicked. 
Here's your yeah. translation of violence. I mean, they would, that would have been exactly what they were looking for, right? They, because they would have framed it as, we got of our course. ass kicked because those people can't deal with our great, um, but it would with our civilized. They would have also taught them a lesson about going to the neighborhood and provoking people too. Yeah, of course, but they would never, they would never accept this, um, this interpretation, like, because they were really looking for trouble, they said. And, um, yeah, but I mean, they got no reaction. And then the article, oh, which also kind of makes like, it funny sorry. too, in a sense. Yeah, totally. It's just like, but it I mean, makes it look so pathetic, the thing that they were trying to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there was this huge, I mean, I mean, I, don't, I can't really even call it a misunderstanding, but there was this huge difference between how they, how the newspapers that I looked at were perceiving themselves as like the, having the fire of civilization in their hands. And then the others, like the 9% of Muslim population of uh, France who, who were too stupid to understand the pictures. I've, I, now that you mentioned that they have written an article on the uh, first anniversary of the uh, Charlie Hebdo attacks, uh, the whole thing has, we've kind of skipped that part because I mean like your article was like a while ago, it was like March 17, yeah. 2019. The reason yeah. we're talking about it now is because like it's become kind of relevant again, like Macron didn't want to say anything about it, like they've republished the uh, pictures, I mean what's going on right now? Why is this a hot topic again? So what's going on right now, I mean the whole, yeah okay. Let's go back a little bit. So when 2005, 2006, this um, Danish newspaper published um, some, some pictures um, and then they had, like it was, um, they had a huge, they had a huge fight because they were, uh, somebody was killed and then they were attacked and it wasn't really very popular. And then oh, Charlie that's the first picture, like the uh, Mohammed with the bomb in his head, yeah. Yeah, that one, and there were there were other ones too. Oh. There were, I think, 12, 12 pictures in total. Ooh. Yeah, twelve pictures on like in one in one magazine, and they published it, and then they had huge troubles with it, and they there were a lot of um, protests against those, and a lot of like people were threatened, and um, then to to show solidarity with that Danish newspaper, um, Charlie Hebdo published those twelve um, pictures. And, but I mean, people never talked about those pictures again. Um, and then what happened with the, what happened in 2015 was that it, I mean, 2015, we were talking about other pictures. Um, so this time, this week, it's the fifth, I mean, this year is the fifth year after the attacks. And it is the beginning of the trial against um, people who helped, allegedly helped, uh, perpetrate the attacks in 2015 against Charlie Hebdo. So we're not really talking about Denmark at all. And um, so Charlie Hebdo took this as the, yeah, as the day to republish the Danish pictures. So from 2005, 2006. Um, so the, they republished them last week on, um, that was uh, Wednesday. Um, the, and, and the funny thing is they put the, they put the pictures on the um, first page of the, like on the title of their magazine and around it, I mean, you can't really see the pictures. I mean, you see that there's pictures of the, of the prophet, but you can't really read whatever is written there. It's, it's really not too, to see the pictures, it's more of, look at us, we're publishing again. And around it, they say, um, uh, so all, all of this for all of that. So there, I mean, of course it's a reference on like all of the killing for just for those pictures. And they, so they were published again and all the, like the whole discussion came back. And then Macron also said, okay, we have to, um, 
we have to fight for free uh, for free speech and i mean yeah it was basically i was i was following in following the news um last week and i mean every argument literally every argument that i saw was exactly like that part of the part of the discussions uh five years ago so we're kind of still having this two two camps this two extremes of people who say okay je suis charlie um we're gonna show solidarity with a with a magazine or we're like french republic etc etc freedom etc and then on the other hand you have the those who say okay we're not charlie actually we don't want to be charlie because they are anti anti-muslim they are provoking etc etc is that camp um, growing the second one since since yeah. the original attack um and yes actually the camp is growing and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that people who who dare to say that they are not identifying with charlie hebdo because the because five years ago um the just we charlie camp was like the biggest and whatever whatever you would say to criticize charlie you were you were basically in one camp with the terrorists there was no there was no in between you could you could either identify or either either criticize charlie and if you would criticize them you were you were basically done with uh, being european in that context so and the other camp is now growing people are people are criticizing charlie more and more and and that to go back to that and i think that has to do with the fact that people who i mean their position is becoming more and more legitimate kind of because somehow people are getting the idea that if this provokes so many people and if this provokes such a such a discussion then maybe we could get into the discussion right i mean we don't have to have this like close groups that don't talk to each other so yeah the campus growing I mean, but the arguments are still very basic, you know, you, you, they identify or they don't identify and then they, they don't really get into the why Charlie did that or whether it should be allowed or not. Yeah, it's still, it's still a complicated issue. One thing that I found really interesting, I'm not sure if you, like, we never talked about this perspective with you, I don't, I'm not sure. But have you, like, I know this one guy who is a, uh, don't ask me how I know him. He's a uh, French, he's a French royalist. Like, he actually wants the royal family to be, he's a Jesuit priest. And uh, during the time, like, I, we never quite agreed with much with him. Uh, although, like, I, like, we talked about Richard Dawkins before. That's kind of how, like, I've asked you to not ask me how we met, but it's, like, a totally fine story. We kind of bonded over our mutual dislike for Richard Dawkins and that kind of stuff. And, of course, he's, like, a very natural ally for that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. during, and he's, a lot of what he says are kind of, like, he kind of is a bit of a white supremacist also. Uh, he's, like, super wow. Islamophobic and stuff. But... Yeah. I still keep him on my Facebook, and I'm quite sure he's not listening to this. <laughs> I still keep him on my Facebook uh, because when I saw him commenting on the Charlie Hebdo case, like we were hundred percent like on the exact same page, which I found to be absolutely nice. stunning. Like the extreme right wing in France, like hates Charlie Hebdo more than I do for their anti-clericalism, for their kind of like, kind of easy pot shots at religion and stuff like that. Was, was that, so, I, when you were talking earlier about like uh, French subjecthood and who's included and who's excluded and like how it was based on kind of like violence, which is kind of always implied that it was like an Arab identity. Uh, I'm not saying that all these extreme right-wing people are kind of like victims of the same uh, thing but they were kind of like in the same or like to what extent are in this are they in the same camp because Charlie Hebdo and that kind of Republican uh, secularist pride is also very exclusive of uh, royalists and clericalists which in France are not an insignificant group of people to a lot of like to what would surprise 
a lot of listeners, I think. They are quite yeah. Yes, yes, they are. And I was also um, very surprised to find extreme right-wing extreme positions in the newspapers. I mean, the most conservative newspapers, I, newspaper, which is one of the biggest newspapers. I mean, it's, it, it's considered totally, I mean, entirely part of the Republican idea and they're really part of the, of the whole um, um, public, public um, discussions. It's not at all a, I mean, if, for example, in Germany you would have a, an extreme, a conservative or right-ish newspaper like that, they would be considered absolutely much far to right. And so in Le Figaro, there were articles from that kind of right-wing extremists. And I really found that surprising because they were, they were not even put into a critical position or something. I mean, they were just laughing out their position uh, as if it was part of the, of that human rights discussion, while at the same time, I mean, they, they didn't really identify with Charlie Hebdo. I mean, they didn't say it out loud, of course, but they, I mean, they couldn't. But uh, what they did was they started directing all their anger um, against Islam. And they were, for example, one thing that they said was, okay, France is going to be the victim of Islam, just like Israel is. So they were trying to kind of bond with the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, yeah, I mean, and they were, they were really like comparing Islam to being a threat, just like the Nazis were in mm-hmm. Nazi Germany. So there was a kind of shift in the, in the whole picture. And they were the only ones who, who um, had this position. But they were also pro-Charlie Hebdo. Yeah, and that, I mean, they were pro-France. This guy, like he was, uh, I know him to be Islamophobic as well, but he, at that moment in time, he was more anti-Charlie Hebdo than he was mm-hmm. Islamophobic, which was like really surprising. I, I don't know. Maybe the idea of being a royalist is like they have this kind of, um, they are kind of outside of the Republican tradition. That's why they kind yeah. of go back to the original French Revolution and they still have a point to prove about that. <laughs> but, uh, which, which, is a, which is a fairly fair point, I think. A lot of people kind of celebrate the French Revolution as if it was this like magnificent and beautiful thing that brought like love and democracy and peace all over the world, but it was a fucking bloodbath. Like, it was. We do not celebrate the, uh, I mean, unless you are kind of a fully devoted, tanky communist, we don't celebrate the uh, Russian Revolution in the same way that we globally celebrate the French Revolution. Uh, and I partially agree with him on the idea that it should be at some public platforms, it needs to be kind of vilified just as much as it's celebrated too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, for me, that was kind of like a fascinating take and which kind of illustrated the idea of like how, to what extent republicanism can be divisive even within uh, quote unquote fully French people. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back also to like the kind of sense of humor issue. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I think I've interrupted you. You wanted to? No, no, it's fine, fine. All good. Uh, I wanted to kind of because the debates on Charlie Hebdo, they always kind of uh, tend to go around in this kind of like circle. And at some point, someone who is kind of like an expert on the uh, history of French humor and its correct interpretation would always up and say something, oh no, you need to put the uh, Charlie Hebdo in the correct context of the French humor. (laughs) Uh, So to say that they were actually making fun of Islamophobia as opposed to being Islamophobic themselves. You you must have heard this take, no? Yes, 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 of course. but the, I was just going to finish by saying, like, the, the, just the example of this guy going on the first anniversary of the Cheb, uh, Hebdo attack, going into a Muslim neighborhood and trying to provoke people with his cartoons. Uh, and many other examples seems to contradict that take, too. Yes, yes. The thing was that just right after the attacks, 
um, Charlie Hebdo, I mean, the articles in Charlie Hebdo that the, the magazine, like the number that was published just after the attacks on the 14th of January, they were absolutely not Islamophobic. They were, they were not even saying that they were approving of the interpretation that the other newspapers did and perpetrated. They were, they were, they were actually criticizing that and they were saying, we don't, we can't look at the Muslims here and we can't look at uh, whatever enemy you have created in your heads. Uh, the, the problem and the reason why this attack happened was because we don't have enough, uh, I mean, our politicians are not good enough and they're not keeping us safe. So they were, they were, the whole year, the whole first year, they were working against their own mythification and their own, and this, and this binary worldview. So when that happened, the, the article with the, where that journalist went to the multicultural neighborhood, um, I think that really contradicted the view and that also showed how it, like inside of the, inside of Charlie Hebdo, it changed and how they got more and more extreme actually after the attack. So they were, I mean, the take of they, they themselves are not Islamophobic um, is the basis of what French people perceive as um, why they can identify with Charlie Hebdo. But I mean, it's also criticized by a lot of people. I mean, friends of mine weren't Charlie Hebdo and it's not because they were terrorists, it's because they think Charlie Hebdo is too extreme and that they're and I think also it's really easy because I mean in in a lot of discussions today I mean in general we are going I mean we're often going to blame old white men for things and when you look at the Charlie Hebdo guys I mean they're old white men so why would they be I mean it's really easy to criticize them too and to to find in them the like one reason of the social of a lot of social mis misunderstandings that we're facing when we talk about Charlie Hebdo. I mean, they're not above the logic, right? They're still part of that and they're still doing the same mistakes that people are doing in that, in that view. I mean, why would they be, um, why would they have, the the like republican truth that other journalists don't have you know what i mean no i'm not too sure like because the other journalists are also old white dudes yeah, no i mean <laughs> yeah i mean the, because when for example when the journalist from le figaro tries to like mystify charlie hebdo and say okay we uh, we have we in france we have charlie hebdo and they're like the the one republican truth and the other ones who don't who don't align with charlie hebdo they're all terrorists i mean it's easy to find that logic also inside of charlie hebdo so they kind of became the 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 victim of their own logic in that sense Ah, so that's how they ended up accepting that logic, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that kind of took overhand because also in, during the first weeks of the, um, after the attack, this whole picture was painted of what I was talking about, like Charlie Hebdo was the representation of the of the Republican idea and we all have to identify with them or we don't we don't uh, we're not part of Europe so that whole picture was painted but th that was also criticized and then in the first weeks let's say to up until February or March people were really saying okay actually the term just we Charlie is very exclusive and is excluding a lot of people that are that are part of our population, that, that are part of our society, and we can't really exclude them because it's, it's not black and white, right? So there was, a, there was a critique of that. But that was totally forgotten. I mean, the next time something happened, for example, there, were, um, another, there was another attack 
in, uh, on February 14th, 2015 in Copenhagen in Denmark. So the same discussions came back and then it was like the same thing. There was, okay, the Muslims, we, they're threatening Europe, etc., etc. So everything that, that the discussions had, let's say, uh, developed or where this discussions had evaluated to was all lost. And we started, we started with the same discussions again. So this whole spiral of the arguments coming back, coming back and not evolving um, is part of the problem. And then I think eventually after the one year anniversary, Charlie Hebdo fell into the same trap. I think for me, it is, I mean, I'm not, I haven't really followed the exact development of Charlie Hebdo's line on this, but I was, I, I had seen the, uh, you know, they had some kind of Islamophobic pictures even before uh, the latest ones. They had Islamophobic pictures of uh, a bunch of pregnant Muslim women who were coming to France and they're not like they are claiming benefits so they make lots of babies. That was like a much older one, I think. And okay, like I get that, you know, mm. when I first see that picture, uh, like I see a bunch of Muslim women who are depicted as being really ugly and et cetera, et cetera, in a very kind of like traditionally racist sense. But the response to that is that these women are not, they're not being racist to these women. They are portraying these women as racists would portray them. It's kind of like, uh, what was the name of that director? Uh, the guy who made Pulp Fiction, what was his name? I keep forgetting these. Stuff. Tarantino. Tarantino. It's kind of like Tarantino who thinks that saying the N-word is hilarious and absolutely fascinating thing that like every white person should do to combat the image of the N-word. Yeah. So he always squeezes it in his movies as if it's like boundary breaking. Like People have told you not to say this word and it is not up to you to reclaim it in a different way or like to repeat it until it loses its meaning. Like people have told you not to use that word. Uh, yeah. because they do not have the emotional kind of connection with you to have tried to figure out in what way you are using it. They kind of don't want to have to give a shit about your intentions about using this word. They have other things to think about, so just don't use that word. I find Charlie Hebdo's humor to be very much in that, in, in that angle, you know, like I... I'm going to use these racist images, but I'm going to use them, quote unquote, ironically, until they become senseless. But still, you're propagating the image of Muslims on uh, mass media as being uh, benefit scroungers, as being uh, Islamic fundamentalists, etc., etc. And if somebody is going to combat Islamophobia in society, it's not going to be a bunch of white people who are like throwing stupid comics. It's going to be Muslims themselves. So do it under their direction as opposed to, you know, taking the matter into your own hands. I think the, the racism in Charlie Hebdo, even though like the finer points on it might have evolved uh, after the attacks, like a year after the attack, after like uh, their reactions to uh, their mythification by the right wing press has kind of like subsided. But I also think that a lot of that implied racism was kind of deep down buried in their ideology from the moment they considered themselves to be the true leaders of a movement against racism and Islamophobia in France and in the world, because it's yeah. not up to you, it's up to Muslims themselves to Absolutely. that struggle. But it's also their logic regarding most of the subject. I mean, they also had this one thing where they published um, where they published a picture on their um, on the cover of um, a minister. She and her name is Christi Christiane Taubira, and she was um, and she's a black woman, and she was depicted as um, as a um, as a monkey. Whoa. So yes, yes, and that was really really. A huge discussion, and then Charlie Hebdo said, "No, no, uh, it's not us. It's actually the right-wing party who said she was a monkey." So we took that m metaphor and published it to make fun of the right-wing people, not not to show her as a monkey. So they 
that's their that's their you did show her as a monkey did you or yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean that's their take on that and then and then and that was funny because a lot of like German and French journalists, especially German journalists, then wrote whole think pieces about how they should have the right to to show her as a monkey. It's just so obsessive about like fixing <laughs> yes. the exact conditions under which it is appropriate to depict a human being as a monkey despite their wishes. The only condition in which it is okay to depict a human being as a monkey, like even then it's probably like you should have ethical qualms about it, is if they explicitly say, it is totally <laughs> fine for you to depict me as a monkey. I am totally accepting of that. That's the only condition in which you can do it. Even then you should stop and think like, why did this person say okay to this? Should I still be doing this anyway? Yeah, but I mean, other, other papers were like delivering texts to help the readers understand and get behind this exquisite do you like like remember one reason from like these german newspapers one reason i said it's okay to depict somebody as a monkey because can you give one of them just for like just to have a laugh (laughs) yeah i mean mean, the thing i think it was kind of uh, I think they even went back to the 19th century um, to depiction. I mean, they went back to the like tradition of French, of French um, pictures of um, politicians and of like kings were depicted as I don't know fruit or something. Oh, yeah. And they said, okay, Charlie Hebdo, they are part of this tradition and. That's what they do, and that's how you should French be proud works. that they depict you as a monkey <laughs> because they were depicting kings as fruit 500 years ago. That's <laughs> that's that's so like winning logic right there. That, that is fantastic. <laughs> Basically, in French history of humor, if you're depicted as a monkey. That means you're a king because there was a king once who was depicted as an apple. And you know what? Yeah. Monkeys eat the apples, so it's totally fine. You can eat a king. It's, oh. It was it was loose. I mean, really. I yeah. So and then yeah. Go on, go on, go on. And then and then what they were also saying was like, okay, plus, I mean people don't understand this so we have to explain it plus we have also this problem of uh, globalization so those pictures get out to audiences where they're not supposed to be so quote-unquote stupid people all over the world see it and they get angry so we kind of have to put this into context so there's also this like Eurocentrism saying only we, because we have this magnificent history, do understand this. Yes. Speaking of that, that ties in with the idea of like one of the core aspects of your article was kind of talking about how the entire handling of the Charlie Hebdo affair was kind of constructing the idea of Europe or like France as a family. And they were kind of uh, creating these comic artists as surrogate father figures absolutely yeah i mean they were because those guys they i mean they all have their nicknames and they're this kind of group of older guys who were around since the 60s or 70s even when they were young you you have you can like type in their names into into the um like French National Library, and then you find the videos of them working in their, in their, um, in their little like newspaper and writing, and everybody like really relates to them, and everybody like all those guys who are sitting right now in the in the newspaper offices, who are like the bosses of the newspapers, they all either they were friends with them, or they grew up looking at that, those cartoons. So we have also this generation um, generation link between 
between all the big newspapers and Charlie Hebdo and with, with that guy. So when they died, every, I mean, a lot of journalists felt the, felt the need to express their um, sadness um, publicly while being, I mean, of course, while it being a personal sadness, like when the, their friends or whoever died, of course, they are, I mean, they wrote those, those articles. They were saying, okay, he was like my father, or I, I knew him very well, or I always called him Uncle Bernard, or something like that. And, but the problem was that the, those texts, of course, appeared in, in huge newspapers, and the millions of French people read them. So this, this image of them being their family members was tied to the idea of, okay, when you identify with Charlie Hebdo, when you, do, when you show solidarity with Charlie Hebdo, it is as if, you were, as if you were expressing the loss, I mean, the sadness about the loss of your uncle or your father, or your, I mean, that kind of figure that you look up to and that you grew up with. And of course, I mean, and I mean, there were also other people who died in the attacks, right? They were not mentioned. <laughs> In that uh, context. You mean people who don't have nicknames who are working? Yeah. 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 Was, they were, yeah. Go ahead. There was, I mean, there was, for example, one woman who, who was always also a journalist in Charlie Hebdo. She was not, she didn't have a, a nickname like that. And of course, the security people and, mm. and, um, um, the, the guys who were working in the building. They were not part of that image, of course. Of course, of course. And one of the things that, because you know, people often talk about the different integration models that different European countries have uh, in relationship to immigrants. Uh, the UK has this kind of like multicultural model of like, actually, this applies to their kind of colonial approach in the past also. Like the British are kind of like, okay, you keep your cultural differences, but you know. Uh, stay in your own kind of lane and don't kind of like mix with us too much. The Germans, uh, they are totally exclusive, you know, like the, the whole kind of like guest worker thing of like you come here for just a year or two and like we don't even want to see you again. Like uh, your kids don't belong here approach. And the French have like a very different approach uh, to these two in the sense that, you know, they are super integrationist uh, even in their colonial approach you know it's often talked about like they would have these like history books that said um, the Gauls our ancestors which is kind of like an old tribal society you know way back from the Roman Empire so they would go around the world teaching their uh, teaching in the places that they've colonized that their ancestors were uh, where goals actually I went to a French school in Turkey when I was little and I clearly remember our oh. history book saying very clearly not only that but that my okay like our ancestors whoever we are had like blue eyes and blonde hair uh, which which we all thought was kind of like an interesting thing uh, but the, the, this idea of all these journalists considering uh, so-and-so from Charlie Hebdo to be like their daddy or their uncle or whatever. I think it's a very good example of the extent of the intimacy of what French integration expects from immigrants. Not only do you have to kind of like accept our values and say you accept them, but by saying je suis Charlie, you also have to kind of admit or you have to kind of take a vow that so-and-so was your daddy just like he was mine, like kind of enforcing onto people this idea that France is one big family and not only you have to agree with the principles, but you also have to agree with the kind of genealogical lineage of, you know, cultural heritage, which goes back to saying like you have to know what our 16th century humor was and you have to know the fact that, you know, we used to depict uh, kings as fruit and you have to be a part of our family. That was one of the crucial aspects in your article that you illustrate so well. And that, that's why we called it, you know, uh, a family matter. Yeah. It's kind of like sitting at the, like the dinner from hell with awful relatives 
who expect you to kind of conform to very intimate standards of what you do. Very intimate, yes. And plus, I mean, one could argue that this whole republic um, representation takes because they because they are so fond of the um, of the laicite that it takes the role of a of a religion and becomes a very personal matter, like not only in your appearance publicly or when you mix your personal and your public life, you have to really be a hundred percent um, part of those Republican values, but you also have to integrate them into your, into your habitus, let's say. It's, you are, it's like an umbrella and you can't move in or out. And that's what's very specific about the French um, discussions also, because I mean, in France, they have also La Croix, the explicitly Catholic Catholic um, newspaper and the Catholic newspaper they because you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, really find um, you wouldn't really find articles um, in the other newspapers um, saying for example a journalist saying um, I as a Catholic or I as a I as a religious person say this and that and I argue this and that you wouldn't find that I mean you would find that in Germany because um, religion and a public space is much more intertwined, but you would find that position, for example, in La Croix. And this is only possible because La Croix also sees, I mean, even if they say, okay, we're explicitly Catholic, and I mean, the Catholic Church has had huge discussions um, with Charlie Hebdo, even they identified with, um, with Charlie Hebdo the moment the attack happened. And so the moment you see yourself under this Republican umbrella, um, you don't have a choice, you're part of the family. Mm. So when you say Je suis Charlie, um, it becomes a very, I mean, it becomes a part of you inside and out. And this it's is also like, what's expected from you. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a declaration of your religion. Absolutely. It's, and, and five years, ago it was much more intense than um than today because i mean i also have the feeling that for example today with my with my friends here in in paris i can speak much more openly about um criticizing charlie hebdo where they were very much in the minority um five years ago mm -hmm. because that was an extremist position and it's it's become a less extremist position right now but you're saying there's still a way to go in terms of analyzing what Just Be Charlie means. Yes, I mean, there is a way to go for it to become, I think, the, the critique of Just Be Charlie to become um, the position of the majority. Mm -hmm. Because people identify, because because it's a really easy position to hold when you don't when when you haven't really thought about it. Because again, we have the question we have the question of violence and the use of violence in political or in personal um, contexts. And I mean, people are really. I mean, most people are against it, right? So when when they see those two camps, they say, "Yeah, of course, it's just Richardly," um, without really thinking about what that entails. Mm. And every discussion that the newspapers had in January and February 2015 about why it's actually not a good idea to identify with Charlie Hebdo, um, because it conveys this binary worldview, um, were were kind of lost. Mm. So yeah, there's a there's a way to go still. We're kind of approaching the end, but there's something that I found quite interesting that I wanted to quickly ask. Also, I just just occurred to me this: uh, the idea of violence as a political tool, 
since Charlie Hebdo. I mean, obviously the uh, the yellow vests happened after that. Uh, of course, it's not the same kind of violence. I mean, it wouldn't be uh, fair to kind of like say that it's the same kind of violence. But has that had any effect on kind of reevaluating of violence in politics in, in, in kind of French French society? I think I think um, the support for the Yellow West protests and for their violence also was pretty big in French society in the beginning at least and then somehow it faded out but I mean it's it's the same discussion every time and this has nothing to do with Charlie Hebdo but I mean it's also it's the same discussion that people had here um, when the when the George Floyd protests happened in, in, in the United States so I think that applied to that applied to the um, to the yellow vest protests too and plus they I mean in this this discussions they would never link this kind of violence like destroying the Starbucks they would never link that to Charlie Hebdo because with Charlie Hebdo they really have this really strong Republican point um, plus it's I mean Charlie Hebdo was really one of the main discussions where it was so easy for the newspapers to vilify Islam and they most of them hopped on that train mm. And what I found found really interesting, actually, in that um, because I also looked at um, publications by um, the so-called Islamic State, because they also reacted, of course, to the to the attacks, and they had their own magazine that they published in February. And the depiction of the of the um, attacks in that, from their perspective, was kind of the back side of the same medal because they were using the same terms. They were actually using the same arguments. They were just saying, okay, France is attacking us. Europe is a threat to us. Mm -hmm. They are the wild people and we are trying to um, save our civilization against them. So they, I mean, it was really, they're kind of in a dialogue on this and both of them are bringing forth the same argument. So, yeah, I think this communication character of the whole discussion was one of the most interesting parts of it because, I mean, for from this perspective, from the French perspective, it was so easy to say, okay, they're the wild people, they're attacking us. And then the other, it was the same, it was the same the other way around. Mm. And they were saying, I mean, look at the war that you have started, I mean, that you have per perpetrated in Syria and look at all the deaths. And I mean, look at all the... Um, I mean, yeah, most of the most of the um, victims here are actually Muslim people, mm. not in France, but in the world. So, who is the perpetrator of the violence? Actually, mm -hmm. and they were even using parts of French um, newspapers in their communication, and they were changing. Like they had, they had, they. After the attacks in November 2015, for example, they published a uh, a video where they like cut up um, a speech by um, by Nicolas Sarkozy, the former president, where they made him say that he was very impressed by the attacks. Why? I don't know. They made him. I mean, they like they 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 they, they used this video. They cut it up. They put it back together and then in that video he says uh, okay. those attacks in November 2015 those guys I'm really impressed by them while in the original he says I'm really impressed by the French people who okay. ca who came together and blah 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 okay. and who showed solidarity etc so I mean yeah I mean both sides that say are using um I think I think what you said about uh Daesh uh Kind of ties into the very first point that I've made earlier about like how this discourse of acting as though human rights and freedom of speech is the own property of Western countries and how they're almost have like a genetic lenience uh, to be more democratic 
kind of hampers any kind of movement for human rights that we have over here because just like you've illustrated with the case of isis they would say oh look at look at all the other people talking about human rights they're trying to destroy our society are you trying to bring human rights just like these people who are trying to destroy our society it opens the door for this kind of uh rhetorical flood uh, which is always ready there. I mean, this this happens all the time in Turkey, of course.